The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who've gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military, and I am on a mission to educate veterans in the job search marketing process. Sit back and enjoy the military transition hot washes and after action reports of your fellow veterans. You may just learn some lessons that smooth your own transition path. On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I am welcoming, well, me. So you all know me as the host of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. You know that I've been serving veterans since 2005 with education programs and support resources out there. But what you may not know is that I have owned a resume writing business since 2004. And I have taught resume writing to more than 5,000 veterans, and I've written just about that many resumes. So my focus on LinkedIn, what I talk about the most on LinkedIn out there is resumes, simply because there really isn't anyone teaching that subject out there, especially not to veterans. I had someone tell me that the other day. They said, I've looked for other people to talk about resumes on, uh, and especially in the veteran and the military transition space, and I couldn't find anyone. And so there are other people talking about LinkedIn. There are other people talking about networking, about the job search process, but not a lot of people talking about resumes. And I decided maybe it's time that I do a solo episode and I come in and teach you a little bit about resumes. So I'm here to teach you about, well, actually to clear up some resume myths that are commonly held out there. And I wanna go through some of those and I'd really like to hear from you after you listen to this episode. Is this something that you'd like me to do ever again? So let's clear up some resume myths. And the first one I wanna talk about is that the resume is the most important thing that you need to think about in your transition. And I'm gonna tell you that is false. The resume is not even the first thing that you need to do in the transition process. The resume simply is not the most important step in your military transition. Yes, the resume is important. 
But if you put all of your efforts into your resume and maybe you don't practice on interviewing and you don't have a LinkedIn presence and you don't network, you will have less success. You could have the best resume out there. And if you don't do all of those other things, your resume will still have less success than if you do all of those other things in conjunction with your great resume. I'm going to tell you that if only great resumes got jobs, we would have a very high unemployment rate because there are a lot of bad resumes out there that still land people jobs, right? So that being said, a well-written, translated, focused resume will expedite your job search, but it is not the first most important step you need to take in your military transition. I think anyone that's listened to more than one episode with me will know exactly what I think your most important first step should be in that transition process, and that is finding a focus, right? Your resume has to have a target. It has to very clearly communicate from the very first line of that resume, what are you targeting? Otherwise, the resume isn't going to be nearly as effective. Myth number two I want to clear up is that your resume is not a storage area for everything you've ever done, right? So this is so true. Your resume should not be all-encompassing of everything you've ever done, every class you've ever taken, every military award and decoration you've ever received, every job you've held in the military, that doesn't need to be in your resume. I have uh, related it to like a, a Swiss army knife, right? So I have a nail to drive into a piece of wood and you hand me a Swiss Army knife, which is a very valuable tool. It does a lot of things, but it doesn't hammer a nail into wood very effectively. And so your resume has to be that targeted tool that can show your potential employer how you can help them, how your past experience will showcase the value that you can bring in your next career. So they teach you to write a master resume in the transition assistance program. It's your master resume is kind of a information clearinghouse. It holds everything you've ever done. You dump everything in there. And I'm going to tell you that I'm not a big believer in the master resume. I think it's great to have a place where you store all of your information, your accomplishments, your career history, but let's stop calling it a resume. It, that's just a an information storage place, right? It's not a resume, even a, it's not a master resume, right? Um, so instead of creating that master resume, I want you to create a strategic marketing document. And you and your skills, your value are the product. And the best marketing campaigns, they don't focus on the product. They focus on the value the customer gets from the product. 
you have to do the same thing when you're writing your resume. Let's think about uh, like we're marketing Coca-Cola as an example, right? They don't uh, open it up and say, it's a brown fizzy liquid that will burn your nose as you drink it. And so they don't tell you what's in it. They show you the, the pop of the can, the fizz. They show you drinking it while you're hanging out with friends and having fun. They show you getting refreshed on a hot summer day from drinking that soda. But they don't tell you, like, here is exactly the ingredients in the soda. They don't talk about what it is. They talk about the value that you'll get from the experience of drinking a Coke. So it's the same thing, right? You want to think about your resume and what your focus is. So here is the next thing I want to clear up. Your resume is not about you. Job seeker thinks that they have to focus on their skills, their experience, and their needs on that resume. And but really and truly, all an employer cares about is how can you add value to me, right? So it's what's in it for me. That's the attitude that an employer takes when they think about the resume. They want to know about return on investment. So if you think about an employer is going to invest time and their reputation and their other employees and their customer and of course their money and effort into you as an employee of their organization. So what you need to demonstrate to them to entice them to invest in you and to hire you is what is your unique return on investment going to be? Put another way is what is, well, let's say it, put another way, how are you going to earn the money that they're going to pay you? That's really what you need to think about. So that's return on investment, right? We need to keep in mind that companies hire usually for one of two reasons. They have a problem to solve or a need to fulfill. And if you can figure out what problem do they have or what need are they looking to fulfill, you can make it a very easy process to show that you are the answer to that problem. You are the able to fill that need. And I always recommend a SWOT analysis. And if you haven't ever heard of a SWOT analysis, that is an acronym that stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So what are a company's strengths? What do they do really well where you fit in, right? What are their weaknesses? What are their vulnerabilities? And how can you help them mitigate or resolve those vulnerabilities? What are their opportunities? Where can they go or grow? How can they get better? And how can you help them within those opportunities. And then lastly, what are their threats? Who are their competition? Uh, what are the risks that they're facing? What's happening in their market that you can help give them that solution for how they can navigate that process? And so when you can figure out those needs and those problems, then you can very easily determine what makes you 
cost effective. As an employee, like I said, how will you earn the salary that they're going to pay you? Once you have the answer to those questions, your resume becomes the proof. Your accomplishments showcase how you have added that same kind of value in the past through uh, your wins, right? Like, how did you make things better? What did you do to improve operations? So those types of things are what you're going to talk about on your resume. When someone reads your resume from the very first line, they should know exactly what you're targeting. And then the rest of the document are examples of what make you qualified to do that target role in their industry and in their organization, okay? So next myth I wanna talk to you about is that we should write a generic resume that gives an overview of everything we've ever done and everything we can do so that we can appeal to everyone. That is false. When you write a resume, a generic resume that is trying to appeal to everyone, guess who you end up appealing to? No one, right? So it is really important to think about your target, right? So you've heard on this show, I've talked about the fishing example, right? If you go out fishing in the Pacific Ocean and you have no idea what kind of fish you're going to catch, you're not going to know what kind of tackle to take. You're not going to know what kind of bait to take. You're not going to know what part of the ocean to fish in. Do you fish on the surface? Do you fish in the bottom? Do you fish in warmer waters or colder waters? And so you're not going to be effective. You're going to come back from your fishing trip and say, there are no fish in the Pacific Ocean. They're all gone. We all know that's not true. And just like you come back and say, no one wants to hire me. There are no jobs out there for me. If you are saying that, then it's very likely that you're not effectively marketing your value and you're not conducting a targeted job search. Now, it could be that there is not a market for what you want to do in the area where you want to live. And that's why doing that research before you move somewhere is really important. But if you're sending out your resume and you look at the jobs, you say, yep, I meet at least 80% of these qualifications and you're not getting calls back, then you've not effectively communicated your qualifications and your unique value in that resume. So it's time to go back to the drawing board and figure out how can you clearly communicate your target? How can you clearly convey your unique value? What is your return on investment, right? And so a generic resume is not going to do that for you. It's like you saying, I specialize in everything, which really means you specialize in nothing. And that's not a message that you want to convey to a potential employer. So the next thing I want to talk about is talking about we versus I, right? Um, the employer doesn't care what your team did. They want to know what part you played 
Should we talk about being a team leader? Should we talk about being part of a team? Absolutely. But you've got to be willing to own your unique contribution to that team. How did you make a difference? What did you bring to that team so that you can showcase why they should hire you? They're not interviewing your team in the interview. They're not looking to hire your entire team. They're looking to hire you. And your job is to make them, entice them to pick up the phone and call you for an interview. So very important that you think about how you made an impact on that team, okay? The next thing I want to clear up is that while getting hired might be your top priority, hiring you is not their priority. Sorry to tell you, it's just the truth. Well, adding you to the team could definitely make their life easier, could help their operation run smoother. They still have a business to run. And so you need to remember that you are not their top priority in this process. And so understand that this process might take some time and also understand that that they may not work on the timeline you want them to and everybody moves on a different timeline so in an interview even and employers tell me that they're not necessarily looking for a reason to hire you they're looking for a reason not to they want to figure out what's wrong with this candidate so they can move on to the next one and i don't think that makes a lot of sense but it's unfortunately kind of the way that they approach that process. And so your job is to give them reasons that you can add value, positives about you, and stay away from the things that you're missing or the negatives and really focus in on, again, your unique value proposition. Again, we talked about the resume not being the first thing you should do. I talked about the importance of focus, but really before you sit down to write that resume, you should also really think about that. Like what makes you cost effective? How are you going to earn the money they're going to pay you? And stop talking in kind of platitudes of like, I'm a hard worker. Great. We all have a work ethic here. Why are you different than everybody else? And instead of, I'm a really hard worker, tell me that you are uh, an efficiency expert, that you have the ability to evaluate processes, identify redundancies or inefficiencies, and introduce corrective measures that streamline and standardize operations so that you save time, you save money, you increase productivity, you reduce waste, whatever it is, but be tangible, right? Companies want to make money or save money. And your job is to help them figure out how you can do that. Right? So that's what the resume is all about. Now, another thing I want you to remember, again, I want you to clear this up is it is not the employer's job to translate and understand your military skills and experience. That is your job. It is your job to help them understand your value. 
you can't just expect them to magically know exactly what you're talking about when you talk about billets and battalions and brigades and squadrons like they don't know what that means and so you have to help them understand and so you've got to learn to speak their language and i've said it on the show before but you don't arrive in a foreign country that doesn't speak English and expect everyone to change their language to adapt to you visiting them. You can't expect the same thing in the private sector and, and from the employer. You can't just expect that, well, I'm a veteran. I know you're all going to be really happy to have me. So I'm not going to put any effort into this process. I'm just going to expect you to figure it out. And I, you know, you, I know you think like, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that. But imagine you walk up to a table at a career fair or, or you go into a room at a virtual career fair and you say, uh, what job openings do you have that are a fit for me? I don't know. I have 10,000 job openings. I have 200 job openings. Maybe I even only have 20. I don't know anything about you and your worth, so how could I know where you fit in my organization? Your job is to do the research on the company like we talked about earlier with the SWOT analysis. It's your job to figure out what are their needs, what are their problems. It's your job to figure out their culture and why you're a fit. And it's your job to translate the experience that you've had that will be relevant and important to your future employer. You cannot expect them to do that for you. You must adapt to them, okay? So the last, I, the last myth I wanna clear up in the resume writing process is that there is an evil applicant tracking software system robot just waiting to say no to your resume. Now, we've talked about this before when I've had recruiters on the podcast, but there is not a robot that screens you out, that says no to you as a candidate, all right? That is not the case. So there is an applicant tracking software, yes. And yes, you need to write resumes that can be easily read by the ATS but those ATS out there are just initial screeners of the resume. They look for keyword matches. They put you in ranking order of the highest to lowest qualified match so that a human can read the resume. Now, there are companies out there that will tell you like, no matter how many job applicants I get, I read every single resume. But what if they get a thousand applicants? Do you really think they're going to sit down and read a thousand resumes? Or do you think they're going to take the best, most highly qualified of the first hundred candidates and look through those until they find enough people to interview? I think it's going to be that one, right? So uh, the sooner you can apply, the better. And the more qualified you can be, the better. But you do need to make sure that um, you're writing your resume in a way that can be read read by the ATS. So it needs to be full of keywords. 
you need to target and focus it to the company and the job posting. But if it were just that easy, everybody would be making it through. So you just need to make sure that you're avoiding things like tables, uh, text boxes, and headers, which an ATS, most ATS can't read, and that you're keeping your resume, the content of your resume, as the most important part of that process. So it doesn't need to be fancily formatted. It doesn't need to, to look like it was created in Canva and beautifully, you know, beautiful graphics. It, it needs to be simple, clean, easy to read, and full of content that showcases your unique value. So I am going to go ahead and record a little bit of a bonus uh, on the resume writing process, which will be housed on our YouTube channel. So head over there now, and I'm going to talk about how to rewrite a bullet to really make it impactful on that resume. And please message me. Tell me, is this something that you enjoyed? Do you like it better when I have a guest? Don't worry, you're not going to hurt my feelings. And tell me if Number one, you'd like more of these episodes where I'm just here solo. And number two, what other topics might you like me to cover? And if you like it, I have a section by section best practices for the resume writing process that I'll come back and record for you one day in the future. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help you in your military transition, then I've done my job. Our goal is to get in the ear of as many active duty service members as possible. So please don't keep this podcast a secret. Share it with as many of your active duty service member friends and transitioning veterans who may be struggling with that process as possible. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and join us on our LinkedIn and Facebook communities to tell us what lesson you learned today.